Ricardo in, De Vries out, and what that might mean for the future of Red Bull. This week, I'm talking all about that very highly publicised mid-season swap at AlphaTauri. So get ready, because you've been summoned to the steward's office. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the steward's office. I'm Syrah, and this week we are going to be talking about the mid-season swap between Nick DeVries and Daniel Ricciardo at AlphaTauri, as well as some of the other silly season rumours that are going on right now. This is probably the biggest piece of F1 news that we've had in a little while, but not exactly unexpected for a lot of people, so let's get into it. So on the 11th of July, just a couple of days after the British Grand Prix, we found out that Nick DeVries had been dropped by AlphaTauri after 10 races with the team and that Daniel Ricciardo would be taking the seat for the rest of the season. Now here's what the official statement said. Scuderi AlphaTauri announces that Daniel Ricciardo will be joining the team on loan from Oracle Red Bull Racing for the remainder of the F1 season, starting from the upcoming Hungarian Grand Prix. So they were releasing Nick with a media effect. I think a lot of people were expecting potentially for him to be changed after summer break. We've only got two more races on the calendar until we hit summer break. But Red Bull and AlphaTauri decided that he was going to be replaced immediately. Franz Toss then went on to say in the statement that he was very pleased to welcome Daniel back with the team. He comes with a lot of experience being an eight-time Grand Prix winner. And he knows that the team integration will be pretty easy and straightforward since Daniel already knows a lot of them. He did finish off his statement saying that he wanted to thank Nick for his valuable contribution with his time at Scuderia AlphaTauri and wishing him all the best. So this statement ended up coming out the same day Daniel was doing some tyre testing in the RB19 at Silverstone. Literally only a couple of hours after Red Bull had released some press photos of him in the car and some videos of him driving. For me, what was evident in that AlphaTauri statement is that there was very little said about Nick. Franz himself did thank him and wished him well, but the actual team statement that AlphaTauri released, there was no mention of Nick. But if we look at Nick DeVries' season so far in the 10 races that he has had with AlphaTauri, he's had two DNFs, two 18th place finishes, two 17th place finishes, three 14ths, and the highest position that he's managed to get in a race was 12th. So essentially, he's bought no points to the team. Now we compare that to Yuki's performance, who has two points on the board right now, the only two points that AlphaTauri has generally has performed better than Nick DeVries and generally has outqualified him as well. When you look at the points tally itself, yes, Yuki hasn't exactly outperformed Nick by miles. Two points compared to zero isn't a mass amount of difference, but the AlphaTauri car is an extremely difficult car to drive. Yuki's been very open in saying that the car just needs to be improved on every single level. There's no real strong point with their car right now. But I think what Yuki's managed to find is a lot more consistency with that car to at least get it closer to the points, if not in them. So was this whole announcement a surprise to me? Honestly, it wasn't at all. And that's mainly for two reasons, right? So the first one was the fact that we had so many rumours circulating about the fact that Nick was probably going to be dropped before the end of the season. 
Four or five races ago, Helmut Marco had basically said he had given Nick DeVries a yellow card and that if he couldn't improve over the next three races, he was going to be dropped from the team. Those three races ended after Canada and you could tell there wasn't a marked improvement, at least on track that we were seeing. Helmut Marco has also been openly critical of his driving. The media haven't seemed too impressed by what he's produced so far. Franz Host, who is the team principal at Scuderia AlphaTauri, has seemingly been a little bit more supportive, at least to the media, about Nick DeVries. But let's be honest here, right? He doesn't get the overall say in which drivers are going to be in his car. I can't lie, though, even before all of that, the rumour mill started up pretty early in the season about Nick being dropped. I think we were like five or six races in when we start hearing the questions of, oh, would Daniel replace him? Would it be Liam Lawson? Would it be Ayumi Owasa? So it wasn't really taking very long for people to sort of not be impressed with Nick, for the shine that a lot of people had given him to wear off. So it really hadn't taken very long for people to be just unimpressed with Nick's performance. A lot of people did end up thinking that seat would be going to Liam Lawson, who is currently in Super Formula out in Japan and performing absolutely phenomenally right now. But in the end, they have chosen to go ahead with Daniel Ricciardo to take over that seat. Now, the second reason as to why I wasn't surprised about this is simply the fact that RBR have form for dropping drivers mid-season. It is just a fact of life. Death, taxes, and RBR dropping drivers mid-season if they're not driving up to their standards. I think the more surprising thing here is the fact that all of their previous mid-season drops have been with Red Bull in that main seat, and none of them have actually been in AlphaTauri. AlphaTauri is their sister team and it houses a lot of the junior drivers. So the Red Bull junior drivers tend to go into AlphaTauri to prime them ready to see if they're going to be taking that Red Bull seat. So I feel like in general, there's a lot less pressure in AlphaTauri and a lot more pressure on the RBR main seat drivers. So that was a little bit more surprising. They'd be so willing to drop someone in their sister team that normally houses their rookies. But some of those Red Bull mid-season swaps have been fairly high profile. We've had Sebastian Vettel take the Red Bull seat, Max Verstappen, Alex Albon, all these drivers that have been in Toro Rosso or AlphaTauri, moving then into that main Red Bull seat when a Red Bull driver has not impressed. So like I said, they do have form for it. They have a history of doing it. So in that respect, personally, I'm not too surprised about what's happened here. Do I think it was the right thing to do, though? No. Hammer Marco came into the press after Nick DeVries had been dropped from AlphaTauri and said, look, he hasn't performed over 10 races. The speed's not there. So what was the point in keeping him until summer break? What was the point in keeping him for the rest of the season? But I think there was a lot of pressure when Nick DeVries joined Formula 1 that I don't think any of the other rookies have really had. He's a F2 champion, an FE world champion. At 28 years old, he's also a lot older than most of the other rookies that we've had. And on top of all of those credentials, he'd had an absolutely stunning weekend at Monza in 2022 with Williams when Alex Albon had appendicitis. He was built to be a big star. I think a lot of people 
across the paddock, in the media, fans were really just expecting him to hit the ground running when he entered in F1. And I think RBR had high expectations of him. And let's be honest, I think they've got high expectations of anyone that joins their family, all of their junior drivers, their current F1 drivers. But in terms of rookies coming up, I think they were expecting even more from Nick because of all the experience that he was coming in with. I don't think they would have signed him otherwise. I think people were a little bit surprised they opted to sign someone into that seat that wasn't a part of their development team. I mean, Nick DeBries had the backing of the media, of Toto Wolf, of Max Verstappen, of a lot of drivers up and down the grid who were like, look, he deserves an F1 seat. Did you see what he did in Monza in 2022? So there was a lot of pressure on him. And I think Red Bull as well were hoping if he performed super well, they would potentially think about pulling him into that main Red Bull seat in a year or two's time. How amazing would it be for them to have a double Dutch lineup, to have both Max Verstappen and Nick de Vries two Dutchmen in the car. Both of them are world champions, Max in F1, Nick de Vries in FE. It would have been amazing, but it just didn't work out like that. Regardless of all of that, though, and maybe they weren't thinking that far ahead into the future of him taking the Red Bull seat, but they were wanting him to perform better than what he has shown in this season so far. I think they were expecting someone to keep Yuki Tsunoda on his toes. And what Yuki has proven, I think, so far this season is that even with Pierre Gon, who, let's be honest, was that first driver, was that leader in AlphaTauri, Yuki has shown that he can step into that role provide good feedback for the team, take on a bit more leadership, show that he can be responsible, give consistent results, do what AlphaTauri have wanted him to do. And with the car being in a not so great place right now, with them really fighting not to end up at the bottom of the championship, I think they really needed two drivers that could extract 100% out of that car every single weekend and even more than 100% to try and get that car into the points. 10 races though to kick a rookie out of their seat. Now I know Nick DeVries did not want to be called a rookie. At the beginning of the year I think when Ted was doing his interview with the three rookies so Oscar, Logan and Nick. I think Nick was kind of like oh I don't really think I'm a rookie. I've already driven in an F1 car on a race weekend and you know I'm a lot older than these guys as well. I've driven in different series so maybe I'm not a rookie but I think that's what he was at the end of the day. He hadn't done a full season with F1. I don't think one race weekend really cuts it. So I was still definitely classifying him as a rookie, and I think most people were as well. So 10 races to kick a rookie out. I don't think that is enough time to give a new driver. I think he needed a little bit more time and a little bit more nurturing. And I know people will say, look, it's a cutthroat sport. If you're not performing, you need to go. And look, I agree. There are 20 seats on the grid, 10 teams, 20 seats, and every single one of those drivers is fighting for their career week in, week out. It is cutthroat. You do have to perform. But I look at the way that other rookies are treated on the grid. Sho Guan Yu last year, especially after that horrific crash in Silverstone, Logan Sargent in the Williams this year, who also doesn't have any points on the board, but I'm not hearing rumours of Williams potentially kicking him out mid-season. As cutthroat as the sport is, if you want to have new talent come into it, 
not everyone is going to just fly straight off the bat, right? And we do see it with certain drivers. Lewis Hamilton, I think, is the biggest example of how a rookie driver can absolutely fly in that first season. Kevin Magnussen had a really good rookie season. Lando Norris. It's not that it's impossible, but I don't think it's always the most realistic thing to expect from your rookies. I don't think that's true for every single rookie that comes onto the grid. In the majority of cases, I think they do need a little bit of nurturing. It's a new car. The power in an F1 car is different. The braking points, there's so much more they're having to learn with an F1 car. And that's not on top of all the other responsibilities that come with being an F1 driver that you wouldn't have had in the lower formulas or in different series. The amount of media there is, DTS following you around, any sponsorships that your team has or that you personally have and need to fulfill obligations to. There's a lot that piles onto these drivers. And then you also have all of your training, what you're eating, all of the traveling. It's a 24 race calendar we're looking at next year. It was meant to be a 24 race one this year. There is a lot more than just driving the car. These drivers have to get used to in their first season. The thing is, though, Red Bull definitely expect a certain level with their drivers. Junior Academy rookies, AlphaTauri, main seat Red Bull, they expect a certain level of performance from their drivers. And by the sounds of it, Christian Horner wasn't too fussed on Nick DeVries coming into that AlphaTauri seat anyway. Helmut Marco was on a podcast, but he spoke about the fact that there have been a couple of times that him and Christian have disagreed on a driver, and the most recent one was Nick DeVries. And he basically said, right now, Christian was right. Basically saying that, yeah, maybe it wasn't a good idea to have Nick DeVries in that car. Maybe Christian was right to disagree with having him in AlphaTauri. So there is that that also played into it as well. Up until this point, we've heard nothing from Nick. Nothing on his social medias, no statement about him leaving F1. Formula One and AlphaTauri, by the looks of it, also haven't really posted a dedicated goodbye to him. AlphaTauri have a lot of Daniel Ricciardo on their grid right now, same with F1. A lot about Daniel going into the factory, about statements he's had about joining F1 again. But there hasn't been an official goodbye post to Nick. In terms of not hearing anything from Nick, this has got to be quite a difficult time for him. He was so, so excited to join F1. He spoke about how long this has been a dream for him and his family. And at 27, 28, to be afforded that opportunity, not many drivers that age anymore get given the opportunity to join F1. So he was so excited when his signing got announced to Alphatarian at the beginning of the season. So... I think it's going to take a little while for him to sort of come to terms with what's happened and it then might take a little while for him to piece his words together to share anything if he does want to share anything about it anyway. I don't know whether we will see Nick DeVries back in Formula 1. I don't think we will. If he does, I think it'll be more in a reserve driver or sim driver role. But I don't particularly think we will see him back in a Formula 1 car as a main part of the grid again. That being said, though, I think he's got a lot of opportunities to step back into motorsport in general. Formula E is still there. WEC, I think prior to him signing with AlphaTauri, there were talks about him competing in the World Endurance Series. So the thing is with Nick, I think he has a lot of driving talent. 
I just don't think it translated into Formula One, whether that was a time thing, a nurturing thing, whether he was just struggling with the Alpha Tauri car, but it just didn't work out for him. But I don't think that means his career in motorsport by any means is over. And I really do wish him all the best in his future. Daniel Ricciardo, though, is making his Formula One comeback only six months after losing his seat at McLaren. Now, like I mentioned earlier, the announcement came after his run in the RB19 at Silverstone. Apparently, a phone call was made between Christian Horner and Helmut Marko, where Christian had said, look, he set a really good lap time in this car. It would have gotten him P2 at the British Grand Prix qualifying session. Helmut Marko rang back, I think, like an hour later and said, I fired Nick Debris. Let's offer Daniel Ricciardo that seat in the AlphaTauri next to Yuki Tsunoda. So it was all very, very quick from the sounds of it. Now, do I think this decision was made beforehand, though? Yes. For all intents and purposes, I think it was. I think it would have taken Daniel to really, really have screwed up in that RB19 run for him not to get the seat. And I'm talking forgotten how to drive altogether, just didn't know how to drive an F1 car anymore. So even though before the Silverstone test, where Helmut Marko was in the media saying, look, it's going to depend on what we see from Daniel in Silverstone, I think it would have taken him to have set an absolutely awful lap time for him to have forgotten how to drive, have no confidence in the car at all, for him not to have been offered the seat. I think it was basically a done deal, and it was just a couple of semantics and formalities that they really needed to fill in with that Silverstone test. Regardless of whether Daniel performed well or not, I think Nick DeBruce was going to go. And if Daniel didn't perform well, I think they would have just asked Liam Lawson to take the seat instead. Daniel seems pretty excited to come back into F1 though, which isn't a surprise. But I do think he probably has his sights on getting that RBR seat eventually. He's definitely not going to want to stay at AlphaTauri, but I think he wants to stay within the Red Bull family. It's where he's felt most at home. It's where he spent the majority of his career. So I think he'll want to stay in the Red Bull family, but not with AlphaTauri. And then the only other option after that is that main Red Bull seat. He's said in some of the interviews and statements he's made since the announcement came out that he had to fall in love with the sport again. I think everything that happened with McLaren had jaded him after last year. And he said himself it knocked his confidence a lot coming out of that season. He had a few sessions on the simulator though and the confidence came back up. He was finding the love of the sport again. He said definitely when he was going back to the tracks with Red Bull for some of the races... He wanted to get back on the grid, so when the opportunity came up for him to take this AlphaTauri seat, there was no way he was going to say no to it. Like I said, I don't think Daniel necessarily wants to stay in that AlphaTauri seat. This isn't a long-term plan for him. This guy has worked with Red Bull, Alpine when it was Renault, and then McLaren. Worked with AlphaTauri when it was Toro Rosso right at the start of his career. But since then, he's worked with some really big teams, teams that are in the top half of the grid. Does an eight-time Grand Prix winner necessarily want to be in a team that far down the standings? Absolutely not. But I think he knows this is the opportunity he'll get to step back into Formula 1. And any opportunity is better than none at all. He could say no to it. They would have given the seat to Liam Lawson. But it would have been even harder to then find a seat on the grid. Like I've said... 
20 seats on the grid, it is hard for you to find a seat and a team that will take you. Now, I have seen a couple of things on the wonderful world of social media about what Red Bull might be meaning with giving Daniel Ricciardo this seat in AlphaTauri. Now, there are people that think this is a warning shot to Checo Perez in that Red Bull seat next to Max. People think that this is going to be a way for Red Bull to sort of push Checo into doing better, that it will give him a little bit of a fire under his bum, push him to do a bit more, and get him back up to the standard he was driving at at the beginning of the season. Other people think that they are just prepping Daniel ready because they will be dropping at Checo Perez eventually and they just need to make sure Daniel is in a car and just used to driving an F1 again before they put him in the main seat. Let's be honest here, Sergio Perez has had a difficult season over the past couple of races and I wouldn't say it's the entire race weekend more than it is definitely quality. Five races now, I think, and he hasn't made it into Q3 in what is the most dominant car on the grid right now. We've seen the pace and the lap times that Max Verstappen can put in in that car. And Checo's getting nowhere near to that. Now, Christian is saying, look, we haven't got plans to boot him out of the seat. He just needs an arm around him and just to have a little bit more support. So... I think Christian's got a little bit of faith that Checo will find that form that he had at the beginning of the season. Whether that happens or not, though, is a different story. Checo's contract ends, I think, at the end of 2024, so he still has another year left on his contract after this. In all honesty, I don't think we're going to be seeing another mid-season swap from Red Bull. I don't think they're going to be dropping Checo Perez in the middle of the season like they have with Nick Debris. What I can't figure out is whether they would cut his contract short at the end of this season. Now, if Checo can improve his qualifying, which would definitely then improve his races, there's no way they'll drop him. And even if he can't really sort out qualifying but can still somehow hang on to P2 in the championship, then I don't think they're going to be dropping him at the end of 2023. Will they probably not sign him on after 2024? I don't think he's going to get a contract extension after that, from what we've seen so far at least. For Red Bull to drop Checo Perez at the end of 2023, a year before his contract is due to expire, I think it would take him losing P2 and even P3 in the championship. I think if he doesn't even get P3, I think Red Bull will be having serious conversations about what to do with him. Right now, Max Verstappen would be leading the World Constructors' Championship by himself. He doesn't necessarily need Checo's points hole to get Red Bull the Constructors' Championship. And look, Red Bull are taking home the Constructors' Championship again this year, and Max Verstappen is most definitely going to be taking home the Drivers' Championship. I don't think there's any other possibility of anything else happening right now. I think what Red Bull would love, though, is to say, we took home the constructors, we took home the drivers, and we took P2 in the drivers as well. We are literally the most dominant team with the most dominant drivers in F1 right now. But like I said, it is really going to depend on whether Checo can keep a hold of that P2. And I think that's what Christian said is the main aim for him right now. Realistically, they know he is not catching up with Max for the rest of the season. So he really needs to try and keep hold of that P2. I think some of the pressure with Alonso has 
lessened a little bit over the past two races because Aston Martin have struggled. I don't know whether Aston are going to get that performance back up though. And if they do, Fernando is going to be gunning to get into P2. Lewis Hamilton is not too far behind Fernando Alonso. And if he overtakes him in the championship, you can bet he's going to then have his sights set on Checo to take P2 from him. So I don't think it's necessarily going to be an easy ride for him. If he sorts out his performance, then yeah, the car is fast. And if his driving gets better, there'll be nothing stopping him. But if he can't find his left of performance again, I don't know whether he will keep a hold of the P2 and then onto a seat for next year. But yeah, those conspiracy theories are floating around right now. Like I said, I don't think they're going to be dropping Checo mid-season. Red Bull and AlphaTauri did want a more consistent driver, I think, next to Yuki in the car. For AlphaTauri, definitely to help them drive forward with development. And for Red Bull, I think it's just a chance for them to keep their options open in case they do decide to kick Paris out of the seat at the end of the season. We're just going to do a quick dive into some of the other rumours that are going around surrounding silly season right now. So Liam Lawson has been mentioned a lot in this podcast episode, more than I think I've mentioned him in any of my other podcasts. But what's going to happen with him? Obviously, he seemed like he was a front runner for the Alpha seat and it didn't materialise. Rumour has it that if Daniel Ricciardo doesn't perform well, Liam Lawson will be taking the seat in 2024. And if he doesn't take her in 2024, then definitely in 2025, he will either take that Alpha Tauri seat or much like they did with Alex Albon, where they allowed him to go and drive with Williams, they will try and find him another seat. They do really want him in Formula One. I think with Liam Lawson, they're definitely looking into the future of F1. Daniel's a little bit older now. With Max, he's definitely heavily hinted at the fact that After this contract expires with Red Bull, and it's quite a long contract, he will be retiring from Formula One. So I think Red Bull are looking into the future and what their next generation of lineup will be, and Liam Lawson is definitely there for them. Yuki Tsunoda, though, has not been mentioned a lot in the talks about the second Red Bull seat, and that's because there are rumours about the fact that Honda would like to take him over to Aston Martin. Honda will be supplying the Aston Martin engine from 2026 and they're also a personal sponsor for Yuki Tsunoda. So the rumours are that they do want him to come with them to Aston Martin when they take over as engine suppliers for the team. We then have some rumours which I think have already basically been debunked at this point. Ferrari were apparently in talks and had signed a contract with Lando but both have denied those rumours. I thought this was a bit of a strange one because both of the Ferrari drivers have contracts until the end of 2024. And as far as I've heard, they are not looking at replacing their drivers earlier than that anyway. I think Ferrari would like to retain their driver lineup going past 2024. So it was a bit strange on that side. And with Lando, I can't really see him moving anywhere but McLaren. He's got a very long contract with them right now. He said in the past he wants to win a championship with McLaren. And they are showing signs of improvement over the past two races. They are showing that they can build a good race car. And I think if they can continue on in that trajectory, there's no way that Lando's really going to want to leave them either. We have also had rumours that Carlos Sainz has been linked with Audi when they take over Alfa Romeo Sauber. Those rumours have been going on for so long. I really want to know where they started from. As far as I can tell, Carlos has said that there have been no talks 
whether Audi are still talking about it themselves and looking to put an offer to him, still a chance. So there's that. We have Mercedes who are apparently interested in Charles Leclerc. That is another rumour that has been around for a little while, but obviously as we get into silly season, those rumours aren't back up. Like Audi, though, I don't think they've actually really made contact with Charles. I don't know whether it's more of an internal discussion, if there is a discussion about it at all. RBR have apparently approached Lando and Charles about taking over the second seat from Checo. From what I can tell, both of them have denied that. Lando and Charles are very committed to both of their teams as well, being Ferrari and McLaren, so I don't see either of them really wanting to leave anytime soon. And then we had some fairly interesting rumours with Alex Albon. Now, he had apparently been approached by Red Bull to be a part of their team again. Alex Albon was driving in that main Red Bull seat next to Max Verstappen, and at the end of 2020, they dropped him from their lineup to take on Sergio Perez. But in 2021, they did keep Alex Albon as part of their team. He was helping with coaching Yuki Tsunoda and the Alpha Tauri and doing some sim work and things like that for them. In 2022, Red Bull then loaned him out to Williams. They wanted him back on the grid. They said, that's fine. Yep, you can take him on loan from us. 2023 then, when he renewed his contract with Williams, he was no longer a Red Bull associated driver. So they offered to bring Alex Albon back into their fold. And reportedly, Alex Albon has said no to them. He said he believes in what Williams is doing right now and he wants to stick by his current team. So yeah, silly season rumours are sort of kicking back up. And it's always interesting because so many of these rumours are to do with drivers whose contracts aren't expiring with teams who don't have openings. It's only going to get sillier and sillier, especially as we get into summer break, which is only two weeks away now. So I'm looking forward to seeing what else we get out, what other rumours are circulating, what else gets made up about who's going to what team. But that is all I have for you this week. We are going to be seeing a different driver on the grid at the Hungarian Grand Prix this weekend as Daniel Ricciardo makes his comeback. I am sure Hungary is going to go absolutely insane for him. There is going to be no shortage of press around him and AlphaTauri as he makes his comeback. I think that's all we're going to see over F1 coverage, I can't lie. But it is going to be a big test to see whether he can do well in that car. I will be back again next Tuesday with a full review of the lovely Hungarian Grand Prix, the penultimate race before we finish off for summer break. We've got a couple of teams, I think, coming in with upgrades. Rumours have it that Red Bull are coming in with quite a big upgrade that should gain them two tenths in their lap time. Apparently, it's also very aesthetically pleasing. I don't know. I guess we're going to have to wait and see. It won't be long before we start seeing photos of the cars in the garages, and I'm sure all will be revealed then. Thank you guys so, so much for listening and Dielkan Bauer. Make sure you follow me on Instagram, TikTok and threads at stewards underscore office if you aren't already. I post loads of F1 content over there as well. And I will see you guys the next time you're summoned to the stewards office. <laughs>